Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, turns out you get a couple All-Stars back and uh, it changes everything. How about that? The Jazz lost to the Lakers Saturday in overtime. Five All-Stars missed the game. No LeBron, no AD for the Jazz, no Donovan Mitchell, no Rudy Gobert, and no Mike Conley, who made his first All-Star game. So, the Jazz still didn't have Mitchell. And the Lakers didn't have their top two players, but the Jazz did get Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley back. And Conley had five assists in the first quarter, and Gobert was rejecting shots left and right, challenging guys, grabbing rebounds. And the Jazz were up six after a quarter. They're up ten after the half. They led by 20 for most of the second half. Lakers with a little late run to lose by 14, 111-97. This game, the Jazz played better. They had better players out there, obviously, because they got Gobert back and they got Conley back and they also had Favors back. So they got three. They're missing four of their nine-man rotation uh, on Saturday. And they're missing uh, one of their nine-man rotation (laughs) in this one. And so the Jazz really controlled the game. It really felt like, you know, six points in the first quarter. There's a long way to go, obviously. But it just felt like they were in control. It felt like they were in control from the get-go. They opened the the game with an 8-0 run. It was eight zip out of the gate. So, you get Gobert back, you start taking away layups in the first quarter with the Jazz taking control of the game. The Lakers stayed in it by hitting 6 of 10 from 3, but they were 2 of 8 on two-point shots. They just couldn't get anything easy, and Gobert just wasn't going to let them. Now, obviously, it'll be different when we get to the playoffs if these two teams meet, and if AD and LeBron are healthy and Donovan Mitchell is healthy, that's a lot of talent that will change the game again the way these two guys, well, three with favors, but the two All-Stars coming back changed this one. Uh, you know, their, their impact was obvious in the first quarter. Just <laughs> obvious and overwhelming. So, not as dramatic and not as um, competitive, which is how I define fun, as Saturday's game, which I thought was wildly entertaining. Um, but, you know, if you're a Jazz fan and you just want to win by double digits, this was your game. This was it, because the Jazz were in control. They looked good. They looked sharp. And we'll have the best of the Jazz postgame show coming up as they pick up the win. They do not pick up any ground on Phoenix. The Suns beat the Bucks. Uh, Booker gets fouled and hits a free throw to win the game in overtime. Uh, double overtime for the Nuggets to beat the Grizzlies. So, you know, at the top of the West, uh, the big dogs win. Um, but we've seen that for a while, and it looks like it's going to be a crazy sprint to the finish line here. The Suns, that was the first game as they played Milwaukee in a five-game road trip. They're playing five of the top six teams in the East. They're not playing Atlanta, I think, is the one they're missing on this trip. Um but, yeah, it is. It's Atlanta that they're missing. But it opens with a win over Milwaukee, and now they're off for a, uh, a Philly-Boston back-to-back on Wednesday and Thursday. So we'll see how that goes for them and see if the Jazz open up a little breathing room here. But the Jazz look good, and they'll be back at it in Houston on Wednesday. The Jazz really ought to win these next three games. Houston on Wednesday. Minnesota Saturday and Minnesota Monday. So if you like drama, I hope you enjoyed Saturday because the Jazz play well. There shouldn't be any drama at all in these next three games. None at all. You know, coming up at the end of the month, the Jazz go to Phoenix and play the Suns one more time. So we can look forward to that. That should be interesting. Uh, but these next three games, the Jazz ought to just take care of business. They ought to they ought to take care of business and get the wins. And I thought they really did that. Quinn Snyder didn't have much negative to say after the game. There weren't a lot of questions about what was wrong with this or what was wrong with that because the Jazz just looked in control. They did their thing. As Mark Jackson said about 50 times, they took care of their business took care of the business. And uh, he was on the ESPN call. Those guys having to broadcast a game from home. I saw some of you getting after him. I can't imagine trying to broadcast a game from home. 
it was hard doing RSL games broadcasting from a stadium, and over time I've gotten a little used to it. Um, it's still not as good. You can't always see what's going on. Sometimes stuff has happened off camera, and you just can't see it. Uh, that happened once in the Laker game. Dennis Schroeder went down. The camera went to the other end of the floor, and they just couldn't tell you what happened because you know they were at home. Um, you know, so there's that step. But man, at home, yikes! I mean, at least Dunny and I are sitting next to each other and can kind of play off each other. But <laughs> at home, yikes! So, well, Jazz get the win, and now we'll see if they uh, start to put together another streak here and stretch this thing out to uh, get to four wins and and get to next week. All right, we're gonna take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk some college football. Chris Camrani writes for The Athletic and get his thoughts on the Utes, spring football, where this team is going forward. Um, you know, what, what does he think of Kyle Whittingham saying this is a complete team? Well, what this team has been missing has been the passing game. Yeah. Quarterback play, receiver play, you know, the, the defense has been good. The O-line's been good. The running game's been good. The special teams, both the punting and the place kicking's been good. It really comes down to the passing game. So we'll, uh, we'll hit Chris up on that, and we'll do that next, and then it'll be the best of the Jazz postgame show. So stay with us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Time to welcome in Chris Camrani, staff writer for The Athletic, covering Utah football and much more around the state. i got to pull the curtain back here a little bit. Are you ready? I'm one, ready. One thing for the audience, one thing for you. Okay. I've done it after possibly borrowing somebody's password for a while. I've just gone ahead and paid for the athletics. So thanks for you and some of your compatriots for writing enough stuff that now, along with a bunch of streaming services and cable companies and websites, it's more expensive than ever to be a sports fan. Thanks for that, Chris. Good work by you. Well, I want to know who's more of a cord cutter, you or your kids? Oh, my kids. Not even close. Okay. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, and then second, I think for our audience, uh, I, I texted you this once, and I don't yeah. even remember what avail it's on because with everything on Zoom, and I know that Utah football is your primary primary responsibility, but there are lots of other things that you've written about, and I've seen you pop up on these calls. That you're lurking. And I decided that the analogy for you, PK's taught me that if, if you don't have similes and metaphors, you got no yeah. chance to make it in sports media. you got to have your similes and your metaphors. And for you, you're like an old-time prospector. You never know when you walk up some stream in whatever canyon to find the gold or silver in days, days gone by where Chris Camrani will have pitched a tent and be working it. You're everywhere, Chris. Love the work ethic. I think I speak for PK on that, too, although we can let him speak for himself. (laughs) Well, as long as you guys hold me in the regard of being a lonely hermit who might be potentially striking gold every once in a while, I will take that and I'll run with it. I tried to avoid lonely hermit, but you got the gist. (laughs) I appreciate that, guys. I'm wondering if Lonely Hermit is an oxymoron. 
<laughs> Lonely Hermit sounds like a great band name. Yeah. <laughs> the Lonely Hermits are playing tonight. All right. I do know that Chris interviewed an expert on BYU football last week and gave him everything that he needed to know about the Cougars. He did. And, and uh, so he'll publish that. When's that being published for BYU fans? Uh, it should be later on this week, Friday or Saturday. Did you talk to Friday Steve Young or Pat Kinahan? Uh, <laughs> talk to Jake Hatch, actually. <laughs> We did have a conversation about BYU, so he's doing some BYU stuff, so I throw that out there for the Cougar fans, The Athletic, a great website. hope it continues to succeed. It means jobs, and jobs are important. And my friends have jobs, and I like to see them employed. Even my enemies I want to see employed. never want to see anybody unemployed, that's for sure. It's too serious. So I want to know who your enemies are. Oh, we, it's only a four-hour show, dude. Come on. Oh, well, everybody at Channel 2. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Poor Adam. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> best, best two falls out of three. They, they grapple. They wrestle all the time. All right, let's get right to it. The spring game here for, uh, for Utah. Uh, were there any surprises in it? I think that's kind of hard for it to happen, but maybe Devon Vele. Uh, are we reading too much into it because we're wishing something to happen? We want it to happen. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with the latter. I, I think, um, and I told this to PK last week when we spoke, I think the excitement and the um, oversimplification of something as mundane as a spring game is not a bad thing. I think that means that our community is healing. It means that we've done a, a pretty good job in the last few months of, of handling the virus. And we are, if you look at things from a national perspective, probably as high up as you can get in terms of vaccinations rolling out and people taking them. So I think when I look at the spring game, I don't necessarily look at Charlie Brewer's 15 for 15 against Utah's two and a half string defense. I think of the fact that the community is it going in the right direction and it's a win for the the folks who are Utah fans and it's a win for the people of this state. Um, I think I would be lying to you and all of your listeners if I pretended to know um, what is being taken out of the spring game outside of, yeah, sure. Devon Bailey had some great catches and Solomon Enos looked to have some good rapport with Charlie Brewer, but outside of that, guys, I mean, I think we have to put this thing into context into what it is. It's, it's a fun scrimmage that allows uh, the program to, um, you know, hit that next milestone in terms of getting ready for a normal college football season. And that's basically all it is to me. And that, that might be, I don't know, harsh in some circles, but the reality is, is I think it's just a win for um, what we're hoping to have transpire this fall, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm wondering, and obviously what we're hoping from the Utah perspective and their fans is to be in contention again deep into November on a regular uh, format of a season that begins in September and the conference season closes at Thanksgiving weekend and all that stuff, and then you have the, the title game. So I'm wondering if last – can't really call it a season, but yeah. last five games combined with – the, a spring practice where they got in all 15. That's the great storyline is they actually got in all 15. I don't really care what happened there, but the fact that all these teams 
and speaking of those who stay in the Pac-12, as far as I know, they got in all their 15 allotted practices, and then they'll go and do the training, and the formal training, as Kyle says, starts June 1st, and then they've got the training camp, and they're going to get 20-some practices and three non-conference games. Do all that stuff. Now, we've already got that partial in the book. It's already happened, and assuming we get the rest of it, does all that stuff put this team, which lost so many guys to the draft a year ago, put them in contention, do you believe, to contend for the South next season? Uh, I think it's always going to uh, rest on the development and the potential of the quarterback position. I know it's a broken record, and it has been for a decade, but when you look at the makeup of these Utah teams since they entered the Pac-12, the one uh, position that has basically held this team back has been the lack of elite quarterback play. And I think you can argue that Utah has only had one quarterback since entering the Pac-12 in 2011 in Tyler Huntley, who played at an elite level that was able to go out and single-handedly keep them in games and win them games. If you're going to get to, I guess not, we're not going to Santa Clara anymore. We're going to Vegas. If you're going to go to Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game, and if you're going to win and potentially go to a Rose Bowl, you have to have elite quarterback play. And that is uh, the, the tale of the truth for a very long time. I think it's very rare. Um, I mean, look at Alabama, guys. I mean, Nick Saban eventually said, yeah, I can't run a running back 35 times and hope to win a game 13 to 10 anymore. I have to go nuts and turn it loose. Sooner or later, Utah's offense is going to have to shoulder the load because as we saw last year, the defense more often than not is always going to be able to hold up its end of the bargain. And um, that defense lost a lot of guys in 2019 to the draft and they look like they're, they're ready to reload and, and be able to shoulder the load again. But for me, it's always going to come back to quarterback play. Can Charlie Brewer, can Cam Rising get these guys to, to Las Vegas? And if so, can they take them even further? The soon-to-be ex-commissioner takes a lot of heat for a lot of things, and I think he deserves most of it. But got to give him credit for moving from Santa Clara to Las Vegas. Had to wait for the stadium to get done. It feels like this is going to be a win for the conference. As far as your point about the quarterback play, uh, the only thing I would add is don't let the wide receivers off the hook totally. Uh, It's not a 50-50 split probably, um, but I do feel like they're part of the issue. But... Do you feel like that is getting solved now? I mean, we haven't seen someone with Charlie Brewer's credentials, stats, and experience at the helm with the possible exception of Tyler Huntley, and they won 11 games when they had that. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I don't know. We It's uh, remained to be seen TBD on the, on the receivers. It's an incredibly top-heavy group. When you lose guys like uh, Brian Thompson, to PK's Devils, you lose Samson Nakua to an arch rival, albeit that's you know more of a you know due to family matters. But this this is another part of the Utah program that I think has held them back from reaching. I mean, we've we've seen them get to the championship game, we've seen them win divisional titles, but getting over the hump is is another thing. And I think you can argue, I I don't know, I don't want to use that Washington game in 2018 because it was so silly. It was one of the weirdest games I've ever seen. I want to throw that out, but that Oregon game in 2019, you could just tell that the difference makers on the outside on both sides of the ball 
we're on a different level for Oregon. And Utah has to figure out how to put together skill position players, elite skill position players on both sides of the ball in the same year to allow them to reach that pinnacle. So since we don't build up or make definitive conclusions, and I got that right from a staff member a few years back at Utah as far as what you see in the spring train or spring game, but nevertheless I'm wondering, can they show video of Charlie Boer throwing the ball, completing all 15 passes to prospective transfer portal receivers because Kyle has spoken about wanting to get that. So can they use that as a recruiting tool to draw in somebody who can be at least very good, if not a difference maker, out on the field at the receiver slots in the fall? I would say uh, pull up a YouTube compilation of Charlie Brewer amassing over 10,000 yards of total offense at Baylor instead of uh, two fake quarters of a scrimmage game. I understand that uh, you know it, it might be sexy to say, like, look what Charlie can do in our offense, but Charlie Brewer amassed 10,000 yards of total offense in Baylor as a four-year starter, guys. That, not many quarterbacks are able to do that. So if Utah was to go that route – I would say this is what this guy can do, and maybe here are some uh, supplemental clips of what he did in the spring game. But there isn't a lack of evidence of Charlie Brewer's skill set in the right offense because the, the stats speak for themselves. You know, I think that all of that stuff gets compiled and all of that stuff gets linked to social media and... All the transfers see it if they're doing their homework. I can't guarantee that all the transfers do their homework. But uh, any any contact you have with them, even if it's third-party contact, it seems like these days all that stuff is out there. And if transfers don't know that stuff, that is on them. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Again, this is the kind of the final frontier. I think I think you can argue that the the building of depth and skill at the wide receiver position at Utah is probably more of a final frontier than the quarterback spot. And I know it doesn't always need to be Oregon deep or SC deep. I understand that. But sooner or later, you're going to need a couple of alphas. And I feel like I've said this on the show with you guys ad nauseum in the last few years, but it's the truth. You're going to need guys outside of Britton Covey who can go out and demand the ball. And by demanding the ball, I mean getting open. I mean showing that you're a reliable go-to receiver against elite defensive backs. This is going to be something that Utah has to do with new wide receivers coach Chad Bumpfus to help get them to that next level. Running back position, I'm wondering if it's going to be like last season in that they went in, and last season was so screwy, so I even hesitate to draw any comparisons, but they went into the season thinking there was somewhat of a depth chart, and then it just flipped and on just a handful of carries by the late great Ty Jordan in the USC game. How much do you think they'll use the early part of the season, which hopefully is the non-conference games, to sort out the depth chart at running back? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, the, the staff was always high on Makai Bernard. I mean, going even back to 2019, guys, where you can argue that was the most talented Pac-12 era Utah team has ever been, coaches and players were talking about Makai Bernard as a true freshman 17-year-old kid, as a, as a guy to watch out for in the future. So it's not that surprising that he's been able to develop and currently establish himself as kind of the pseudo number one in that running backs room. But um, I mean, I think for me, 
selfishly, the one of the best people to hear from on subjects like this is Kyle McDonald because he doesn't make any bones about it. He said the best player is always going to play. We don't care what your accolades were before you came here in high school or your previous school. The best player will play, and we've seen that, you know, um, with with Ty's emergence last year. And I know they add, you know, TJ Pledger and Chris Curry, but I don't know. There, there are just some things when you've been around a program long enough, like like we have. It's like it just seems kind of fitting that Utah would go to the portal to get a couple former four-star guys from these really prestigious fellow Power Five schools, only to have the three-star kid who's been in your program for the last two years just develop and become the next star player. So I guess the elephant in the room then is Kyle Whittingham. And really it's it's Kyle's mindset. And PK and I have gone around and around on this. And, you know, until we see the games, I think we'll just continue to go around and around because everything seems possible. But I guess my question to you is, what is most likely with Kyle's mindset? Because I personally don't think Kyle... Although he always valued turnovers and takeaways and hated the giveaways, uh, I felt like it really got burned into his psyche when he had back-to-back five and seven seasons. It was clear that he had one season to keep his job. It was clear his assistants weren't getting contract extensions in case he had to be let go and the whole staff had to be let go. And that, that's a pretty scarring ex- experience. And since then... Man, protect the ball. You know, he was losing game. He had a 5-7 and seven season because they turned it over six times. They should have beaten UCLA. They turned it over six times, then they lost. But when he had Brian Johnson, and Brian Johnson, and I know it was Mountain West, it was a different level, but he wasn't worried about Brian turning the ball over. They could push it down the field, and they could make big plays, and he could stomach that. It doesn't seem like he can really stomach it since then. Do you think Charlie Brewer will... Uh, will be the Tums that quiets his system <laughs> and enables them to push the ball down the field because he's going to look at those stats that you were talking about, the body of work from two years ago. He threw seven picks. Well, in a what's going to turn out to be 12, but maybe a 13 or 14-game season, 15, PK will say, uh, seven picks, that's a pick every other game. Kyle can live with that. Can't he? Will we get to that point? Will it look different? Help me. I like I like the analogy of the antacids for for Kyle Whittingham. That's 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 pretty befitting. Um, it's it's all about style, guys, and it is about protecting the ball, and it is about establishing who you want to be as a program. And I think Kyle wants to be able to control everything in terms of the clock, um, uh, position field battles, all this stuff. And that makes sense because if you do that, the odds are always going to be in your favor. But there's going to come a time when you have to be willing to go out on a limb and take the sort of risks that are necessary to, you know, win really tight games. And and I think Kyle has proven that. I mean, I don't know how many other coaches in college football go for it on fourth and three or less than Kyle Whittingham does, regardless of the – uh, position on the field that the youth are in every season. But um, yeah, I mean, again, this is all interconnected to what this Utah program needs to develop and become. I, I do think guys, I do think going back to 2019, it would have behooved that team to be in tighter games because they were so dominant early on that they were just able to give Zach the ball 25 times and be comfortable by the end of the third quarter, it would have been good to have that team kind of have to turn it loose and have Tyler go out 
and win some games on his own early on in that season. And I think sooner or later, Kyle and his staff knows that if you're going to be in contention in the Pac-12 South, if you're going to win the Pac-12, you got to get a quarterback that's going to take risks and take chances. And yeah, I understand the, uh, the fear of, of turnovers and losing games that way. I mean, there was, like you mentioned, DJ, there was a time where Utah should have won a bunch of games where there was, I think there was that Oregon State game one time at Rice-Eccles where Travis Wilson had like five or six picks or something. There, there are games that Utah fans have burned into their memory that, that should have been wins, but I think we're past that. I just think like the next evolution of this Utah program has to be, to your point, kind of just giving the right quarterback the keys to the car and letting him put the foot on the pedal. There he is, Chris Camerani, the Lonely Hermit, which is brought to you by the Department of Redundancy Department. But nonetheless, the Lonely Hermit. All right, we're looking forward to a BYU piece sent on The Athletic. You want to give us just a hint about what's going on? Just a little just a little taste, something tantalizing. What oh, are you, no, it, what are you chasing? It, so, so the, the Athletic has a breakdown of all of the major college football programs across the country every year. Called It's a series called State of the Program, mm-hmm. and basically you're asked to dive into the nitty gritty of the last few years and kind of the current roster projections of, of each program going into the 2021 season and go, you know, position by position and recruiting and schedule analysis, all of that stuff, all the type of things that fans love to read and, and the kind of thing that I definitely need to rely on the experts to help. Right. So it's not that hard to put two and two together as to why I called somebody last week. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, one day now that the athletic has subscription money from people like me, one day they'll probably hire a BYU person and someone to share the load with you on that, that front in the state. They, they got a, they got the jazz covered and they got the Utes covered. It seems like that's next. In the meantime, you, yeah. can, you can do a little more, I guess. Yeah, well, I'm a lonely hermit, so I, the, the, <laughs> the less competition, the less uh, people in my periphery, the better. You guys know that. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. There is Chris Camrani from The Athletic. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. It's time for the best of the Jazz postgame show as the Jazz beat the Lakers and really quite comfortably. Jazz looked good right from the start of the game. Led 8 nothing. Led at the end of every quarter. Won the first quarter. Won the second quarter. Won the third quarter. Had the game blown open at that point. Fourth quarter was pretty much all garbage time. Strong performance from the Jazz. Here's Jake with the best of the postgame show. George Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz beat the Lakers last night 111-97. The Jazz are now 43-15 and on the season. Uh, the Suns did beat Milwaukee last night, so the Jazz remain a game and a half up on the Suns in the Western Conference for the Western Conference lead. Uh, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, and uh, Derek Favors all returned to the lineup for the Jazz for this game against uh, the Lakers. They did not play on Saturday. Of course, Donovan Mitchell out. He will be reevaluated at the end of the week. But the Jazz were led by Jordan Clarkson, who had 22 points, 9 of 14 shooting. 
Joe Ingles was absolutely lights out. Uh, he had 21 points, 5 of 8 from 3 for Joe. He also had five assists and four rebounds. Rudy Gobert with 14 points, 10 boards, two blocks. Uh, Mike Conley, 14 points, 10 assists. Bogdanovich with 19. Royce O'Neal breaking out of that shooting slump. 13 points, a perfect 5-5 five of five from the field, 3-3 three of three from three to go along with nine rebounds and five assists. Great game last night from Royce O'Neal. Let's get to the post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. All right, we'll start with Tony Jones, the athletic. Hey, Coach, it seems like you guys, you know, came out with a level of focus in, uh, in the third quarter. Um, you know, what, was, what were some of the adjustments that you made at halftime and, and you know, how uh, – what was your reaction to Rudy's performance, uh, especially in the second half? Well, I, you know, I thought we came out, frankly, Tony, with a good focus at the beginning of the game as well. Um, you know, anytime you play a team that – um, when you build a little bit of a lead, you know they're gonna they're gonna raise their level. Um, you know, Rudy did what what he does. You know, he protected the rim and um, did a great job of staying spaced. I think our spacing tonight was as good as it's been in a long time. And as a result, you saw the ball move. And, and I don't know how many assists we had, but it seemed like the ball was pinging around and. Uh, you know, that's a good formula for us. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, it seemed like on an eye tonight, you got a lot of kind of good balanced performances from everyone, whether it's Royce, you know, grabbing nine boards or Rudy and Mike with double doubles or Joe kind of taking over in the third quarter. How important is it for everyone to kind of not overreact to not having Donovan, but to also like simultaneously kind of find a way to fill that void. Well, I mean, that, that's who we are when we have done, you know I mean? That, that's, that's who our team is. It, um, it can be, can be different guys at different times. Obviously Don, Donovan's that guy um, a lot of times, but he's had plenty of games where, you know, he's had high assist games and different guys are getting shots and, you know, we're just trying to take what the defense gives us. And I think that's the key for our team is to, really to read and react to, you know, to how we're being played. We have as many threes tonight um, as far as attempts go. But I think at one point, you know, midway through the fourth quarter, every every maybe the one shot that we took was either a three or was in the deep paint. Um, so if we're able to play that way, you know, those are high percentage plays. And that requires us to be connected. And um, that's what we want. You know, no matter who's on the court, um, no guy's going to play 48 minutes. So that's who we are, you know, collectively. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Quinn, has there been anything specific that Rudy's been doing um, to his free throw shot or what kind of work has he been doing on that? I, I think it's ongoing, you know. Um, it's something he spends a lot of time on. And I, I think even th th there's been some games with – he, he's had some early misses in a game and, you know, he's managed to kind of work through that. Um, one of the things that, that he consistently does, and I don't know all the exact numbers, but he, he makes them late and he makes them when they count. And, you know, that, that shows the work that he's put in and the confidence that he has in himself on the line. Penny Anderson, KSLSports.com. Quinn, it seems like 
Jordan's bounced back really well from his injury. I'm sure it's not the ideal way to get rest, but is it just time away from the game? Is it time watching from the sideline? What, what do you think helps even when you're, you know, not ideally a hundred percent? Yeah. You know, there's, there's value to it. You know, even if you're recovering from an injury, um, there's other things that you're doing, uh, you know, that lets your body heal and regenerate and, and find juice. And as you said, it's, it's maybe not the ideal way uh, to have that happen, but it, it's certainly a silver lining a lot of times, um, particularly if it's handled right. You know, the biggest thing is sometimes you lose your conditioning, uh, but there's other ways to address that, you know, without putting pressure, you know, on whatever, you know, whatever your particular injury is, in his case, his ankle. Last question, David James, KUTV. Quinn, you've now uh, seen a few of these uh, little mini-series where you play a team twice in three games. Does that lead to better basketball? Do guys get more dialed in on the opponent and minimizes the travel? What do you think of these? Um, I, I haven't really overthought it, to be honest with you, David. I, I think a lot of these games – you know, it's hard to compare. Like last, the last game, we didn't have, you know, Rudy, Faith, Mike, or Donovan. Um, and this game we did. So every game's a little bit different. I will say that the travel component, you know, is real. And to be able to stay in a market um, and have a day, especially, you know, with the situation we're in right now, that, that you know, oftentimes if you get in late, and you still have to get up. You know, you've got four hours, five hours to sleep before you can get up and test. And then to try to go back to bed and get rest is really difficult. So to the extent that you eliminate that travel, um, I think it does help. And I think it helps in particular right now with what we're going through. There's Coach Quinn Snyder uh, after his team won 111-97. Let's now hear from the players. Let's start things off with Derek Favors. Hey, Derek. We'll get started with Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Derek, just first of all, um, you were out for the last game with right knee soreness. Just kind of curious how the knee's feeling and kind of how it happened and your your thoughts on that. No, the knee is fine. It's, um, you know, with a compressed season and, you know, all the traveling, all the games, sometimes the knee gets sore. So I think it was more of a just a precautionary thing. Um, I mean, it wasn't nothing serious, nothing serious. Just one of those things where, you know, your knee gets sore, they don't want it to – well, I don't want it to turn into something serious. So it just, you know, just sit out of the game. Quick follow-up on that is I know you've been kind of heating your back and, and that, has that gotten better than it was earlier on in the year? <laughs> yeah, pay attention to everything. No, it's, it's good. It's good. It's just something I do on the sideline. Um, no, I don't want my back to get still for my whole body to get still. So I try to stay loose. Um until it's time for me to go in the game because, you know, I don't want to go in the game being still for it, not warmed up, warmed up. So now I just try to do little things to keep my body warm and keep my body, you know, loose and flexible before I go in the game. We just want you feeling good. That's, <laughs> that's I appreciate awesome. that, man. Thank you. <laughs> Next up, David James, KTV. To follow up on that, Derek, have you been battling some of these all year because some of these things all year? Because it looks like there's some nights you're jumping, you're flying around out there, and other nights where it looks like you got to play play below the rim and you're you're the savvy old guy in the gym. And and it changes pretty often. So I wonder if you've just been battling stuff on and off all year. Uh, no, no, I haven't been uh, battling anything. You know, um, 
like I said before, you know, some days I feel great. Other days, you know, the body hurts. You know, um, 11 years in the league and, you know, with this compressed season, um, playing all these games so close together, you know, sometimes your body just aches and sometimes, you know, your body don't want to wake up and, you know, act right. So you got to do little things to, you know, get the body loose and get my body going and, you know, it looks like that sometimes because I don't play big minutes, so I might come in the game um, still a little stiff and probably play maybe two or three minutes and come right back out versus, you know, coming coming in the game and playing, you know, an eight-minute stretch and where I can, you know, get loose and, and really get going. So it's, it's, it's a battle, but um, no, I think I'm making the best of it and, you know, my body's holding up right now. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Derek, with, uh, with you and Rudy both back in the rotation tonight, uh, things obviously looked a little bit differently in this game than they did in the first meeting on uh, on Saturday. What were you seeing? What were you guys trying to accomplish just in terms of your uh, paint defense tonight? Um, you know, they're trying to keep Drummond off the boards. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a really good rebounder, really good player inside the paint. So just pretty much trying to contain him, um, you know, contain the guards on the, on the pick and roll action. Um, you know, just trying to make it tough for him, attacking the paint. I know last game, Hurson did a great job of spacing the floor and also defending the paint and, and defending the rim too. But, um, you know, he, he's not a rim protector. So when me and Rudy come back, you know, we just try to play good defense, um, help the guards out as much as we can. Um, and like I say, Drummond's a good rebound. So try to keep him off the boards and, you know, just, just protect the paint. Last question, Maxime Lagorgeous, the free agent out of France. Uh, what do you retain from this game? Say it one more time. What do you retain from this game? What do I take from this game? Um, I mean, we still have a lot of work to do. But I think we can um, compete with any team in this league. I mean, obviously, this is a team we're probably going to see down the road. So, you know, just come in and, and do the small things, do the little things, and, you know, just continue to try to get a win. There's Derek Favors talking about how uh, he is not uh, dealing with any lingering injury, but uh, more the rest on Saturday was about an abundance of uh, caution with his condensed schedule, and he's been in the league uh, now for 11 years. Uh, let's now hear from Royce O'Neal. All right, we'll get started here. First question will be from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Royce, the very first pass you catch tonight on the opening possession, you fire up the three with no hesitation. Next possession, you go right to the rim. You score the team's first five points. Were you making it a point to try to be a little bit more aggressive tonight than maybe you have been before? Or is that just, you know, taking the shots within the flow of the game that are there? Uh, not at all. I mean, I was just, you know, taking the shots that was there. I mean, whether I was open, knocking down the three and going to the basket, finishing myself or making plays for somebody else, you know, just playing basketball. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. I'm curious, Royce, when you catch the ball and you're making that decision to shoot or drive or pass, are you making that decision before you catch the ball or are you trying to make the read when you when you catch it? Read before, uh, you know, seeing what I'm able to do, whether I'm going to get the open shot or have a driving lane. Uh, just reading what the defense gives us. David James, KTV. Royce, you've had a few of these situations now where you've played a team. Uh, you've either stayed in a city for a couple games like you did in New York and played both teams or two or three in L.A. against the Lakers, two games in three nights. What do you think of this? Does it does it help you hone in on your assignments, especially defensively? Uh, would you like to see this keep going going forward? 
mean, whether we're, you know, whether it's one game, two games, three games, I think we just focus on one game at a time, try not to look at it, you know, ahead, you know, staying in the city or playing at home. I mean, it's basketball either way. Follow-up from Eric Walden. Royce, has there been any kind of conversation among the guys just kind of talking about what needs to be done to kind of make up for Don's absence, just kind of given, you know, the scoring binge that he was on after the All-Star break? No, just keep playing basketball. I mean, whether he's playing or not, I think, I mean, we have a great team. I mean, guys scoring, passing the ball. I mean, I think our defense is, you know, what carries over to our offense, so. There's Royce O'Neal playing it cool, but he was great last night. 13 points, perfect 5-5, shooting 3 of 3 from 3, 9 rebounds and 5 assists. Just a a great night of basketball from Royce O'Neal. Let's wrap things up uh, from the player sound with Rudy Gobert. All right, we'll start with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, Rudy, I'm wondering what kind of work has been going on behind the scenes on your free throw shot? Have you been doing anything different at all with the mechanics, or has it just been about getting reps up? Uh, I've been putting a lot of work, you know, about the the off season and uh, and at home. You know, luckily I have a I have a basketball at home, basketball gym at home. So uh, every off day I've been putting some work, uh, and I'm you know more and more comfortable. I think it's you know just uh, the more the less I think, the easier it is, and you know that's what I've been I've been doing pretty much. Has it been more more work that you've been putting in maybe in the past that you've been actually focused in on it a little bit more? I've been putting in a lot of work uh, every single year. but uh, and, and, you know, when it's, it's weird because outside of a game situation, I'm probably a more than a 90% free throw shooter. And, and, you know, in the game and with the adrenaline and all that, uh, I was missing free throws and I, I was trying to figure out, you know, why. And, and it was mostly because... You know, when you when you overthink, uh, you know, it affects your right, your model pro- program. And, and then you shoot differently. You know, the less I think, you know, I just let it go and, uh, and it's easy. Tony Jones, The Athletic. Rudy, what can you take individually and what can you guys take collectively as a team uh, from your three games with Los Angeles, given the fact that uh, through for two of the three games, neither one of you teams were whole. Uh, for, yeah, for actually three of them because AD didn't play the first game either. Uh, you know, for us, it's just about getting better. You know, obviously, uh, they had, uh, you know, they lost the two best players for the for, for a long period of time. We Luckily, we didn't. Uh, but for us, you know, it's, uh, yeah, whoever we play, you know, no matter who we play, uh, you know, we, we, we take the challenge and, uh, you know, we, we try to get better every night and, and obviously win the game. Uh, we know that when we're going to meet them, if we meet them in the playoffs, uh, it's probably going to be a different team for sure. David James, KTV. Rudy, it was just one game off, but how much is uh, missing a back-to-back, avoiding three games in four days, and, and getting two days to get ready for this? How different do you feel going into the game? You know, uh, I try to not miss any games. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, thankfully, you know that was my only game I missed this year, and uh, it's always tough, you know, to watch from the sideline. But uh, at the same time, you know, I think it's good for for some of the younger guys to get more more minutes and. 
you know, try different lineups. And, you know, I thought, you know, I thought they did a great job, you know, battling. Uh, but, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, it's a long season. It's a lot of games. And the goal for us is uh, to make sure that we, you know, we're able to be as fresh as we can. And, and you know, and uh, when the playoff comes, and then obviously throughout the end of the, the last 15 games, you know, uh, yeah, just keep getting better and, uh, you know, be smart and try to win every single game every night. Maxime Lagorgeous, the free agent out of France. Bonjour, Rudy. En quoi la blessure de Donovan a modifié ton rôle dans l'équipe? He asked him, like, why Donovan's injury changed my role. I don't think he does. You know, obviously, Donovan is a, is a huge part of what we do, uh, but uh, my role is the same. Uh, with or without Donovan, you know, it's to, to be a leader for this team and, uh, and, uh, and you know, and, uh, and make sure that uh, we do what we're supposed to do defensively to be a, a top defense in the league. And, you know, uh, I try to do that every single night. You know, and, and, you know we have uh, a lot of guys that are, you know, that have a lot of experience too, like Joe, Mike. So, you know, it's forest leaders. It's, you know, every night trying to come in and, and, and lead this team. And, uh, and when Donovan is back, you know, obviously he's definitely one of our leaders too. So, uh, forest, yeah, every night, you know, every night I have the same focus and, and try to help this team win. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, just kind of as a follow-up to that, do you feel like with kind of the depth and balance and experience that you mentioned from some of those guys that you guys are maybe a little more kind of uniquely able to absorb losing a guy like Don than other teams might be? I mean, we, we have a lot of talent, you know, and it's definitely a blessing for, for our team. Yeah. And that's why we're able to have, uh, you know, when, when some of the starters come out, you know, we still have a, a very good team, you know, and, and we have probably like, uh, maybe eight guys, eight, nine guys will probably start on most of the, of the teams in this league. So uh, it's a luxury. And, and you know, and uh, obviously uh, Donovan is a unique player, but uh, when, even when it's out, you know, we, we got guys that are able to create and do things for this team. Last question, Amanda Skurlock, LA Sentinel. Um, the Utah Jazz got 52 points in the paint. I was wondering, like, how did you guys kind of figure out LA's front court? I think for us, we we just try to, you know, move the ball and then obviously and attack the paint uh, and see what they do defensively. And you know, they were early in the game; they were really helping a lot and giving up a lot of threes. And uh, and I think in the second half, they, they decided to try to take away the threes. So, you know, whatever the defense give us, uh, you know, Mike, Joe, Jordan, you know, all these guys, gonna, we're just going to figure it out, you know, and, and, and read the defense. And it's, you know, that's why we've been, I think, uh, so hard to guard this year is that we have multiple guys that can, you know, attack uh, attack the paint and that are very good finishers. And, and at the same time, we're able to, you know, to find the shooters when the, the defense collapse. 
There's Rudy, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 block shots, and of course, just a game changer uh, on defense. Changes the whole way the Lakers uh, had to attack the Jazz, and obviously it was not very successful. The Jazz win, 111-97. Up next, they'll take on the Houston Rockets coming up tomorrow night. Uh, that game will tip off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 5. And of course, you'll hear it all right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.